on some Facebook Live. Uh, we're just here to glorify the name of the Lord, and we are glad that you are here to uh, join us in worship. So we want to welcome uh, any new visitors or anyone this, where this is your first time uh, worshiping with us. We want to welcome you to Hope Haven Church, and we hope uh, that uh, you enjoy the fellowship with us on today. Uh, before we get started, uh, let's start with a word of prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, for us uh, to gather together as your saints and as your people, God, uh, just to glorify your name and to worship you and to lift you up, God. We thank you, Lord, for your precious holy word, God, that you have given us, God. And we ask on today, God, that you allow that word, God, uh, to just spring forth, God, into our hearts, into our minds, God. God, that it begins to cultivate and change us, God, uh, just for our life purpose, God. We ask, God, that you continue, Lord, to touch us and to heal our land, God. Continue, God, to fix the things, God, uh, the injustices and the uh, systematic issues of racism and all of the things that we're dealing with uh, in this country and in this season, God. We ask, God, that you bring peace. And, God, we also pray, God, that you bring justice. And, Lord, we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, before we get started, I'm going to ask you guys, if you can, uh, just hit that share button. Those of you who are on Facebook Live, those of you that are on the Zoom app, uh, I'm going to ask you guys as well uh, to share with someone, send somebody a text message, let them know that Hope Haven Church is online right now uh, and that we are worshiping. Uh, once again, we want to thank you guys for joining us. Uh, today, I want to go right into the Word of God. Uh, we're going to ask those of you, if you have your Bibles, uh, to turn with me real quickly to the book of Luke. We're going to be at Luke, the 10th chapter, starting at the 25th verse. Uh, this is going to be a very uh, familiar passage of scripture. Um, and I'm praying uh, that as we begin to go through this text, uh, that our eyes are open uh, for the real purpose and the real reason uh, for this scripture. Um, many a times we have looked at the story of the Great Samaritan and we have taken it out of context um, as a parable to use. Uh, to share with our brothers and sisters to be good people. Uh, but if you read this parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, and the only thing that you got out of the Good Samaritan is to be a good person, uh, then you have missed the whole entire context of, of the text. Uh, so today I want to really draw your attention in, uh, draw you in, uh, show us uh, different portions of the scripture and some things that even I, after so many years of reading this text, um, have been revealed to me in a whole nother way. Uh, so when you get there, somebody hit me in the comment section with the amen. Uh, we're going to start reading here. Uh, we're at Luke, the 10th chapter, starting at the 25th verse. When someone gets there, let me see an amen. Let me see an amen. There we go. Praise the Lord. And it says, then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You've answered him correctly, he told him. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus took up the question and said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell in the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. 
When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And in the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan on his journey came up to him. And when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. The next day, he took two two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I will reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. The title of this message today is called Real Love. Real Love. Real Love. Real Love. Real Love. Somebody type in Real Love. Not not, not just lip service. Uh, not just a good deed for uh, one moment. Uh, but uh, Real Love. What defines real love? What defines real love? Uh, here are the 20... 20- fifth verse of the 10th chapter um, this shows me something very something that many of us do Uh, there are times in our lives where we know the answer to certain things Uh, we know what is right we know what is wrong uh, but sometimes we try to justify our actions by asking questions that we already know the answer to. Uh, this is a lawyer here who is well-defined or well-versed well, uh, with the law of Moses. Uh, he knows the scriptures in and out. And unlike many of us who uh, can quote scriptures here and there in portions of the text, uh, during that time, uh, in order to be considered a lawyer of the law uh, or an expert of the law, uh, you had to know Uh, chunks and chunks of the Old Testament. Uh, These men uh, could quote chapters of Leviticus off the top of their head. Uh, So this was no novice person when it came to the word of the Lord. Uh, This was a man uh, that knew the law in and out, uh, but there was something deep inside of him uh, that he knew uh, there were some issues. Uh, He knew there were some things uh, inside of his soul Uh, that he questioned, uh, which made him ask this question about eternal life uh, because eternal life was important to the Jews during this time. Uh, They believed uh, that there was some type of afterlife after this life. Uh, And it was important for him uh, to know within himself uh, that what he was doing uh, was right and that he would have eternal life uh, with God. Uh, So he comes to Jesus and he asked him the question. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Jesus doesn't give him the answer because Jesus knows who's asking him the question. Uh, And sometimes Jesus won't give us an answer because Jesus already knows that you know the answer. Uh, And sometimes we're praying for things, looking for God to give us another reason or another answer. Uh, And sometimes the reason why God isn't speaking is because you already know what the answer is. Uh, So he doesn't give uh, the lawyer uh, any type of uh, a new scripture. He doesn't give him any new revelation. He doesn't give him what he wants to hear, but instead he makes the lawyer reach down inside of himself 
to find the answer for himself. So Jesus now comes to him and he says, uh, uh, what is written in the law? Uh, you call yourself an expert in the law. You call yourself someone that knows the scriptures. Well, if you know all of these scriptures, tell me what the scripture says concerning inheriting eternal life. Uh, and how do you read it? Uh, this man now goes back to the scriptures. He goes back to Deuteronomy where Moses tells the people of God to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Jesus now comes back to him and says, you've answered correctly. Basically, you've answered your own question. I didn't even have to tell you the answer because you already knew what the answer was. Uh, he says, do this and you will li live. Uh, but wanting to justify himself, this lawyer, uh, because he knew that he was not being completely obedient to the law. Uh, but he wants to justify while he's doing certain things that are not right. Uh, there must have been some type of injustice. There must have been some type of prejudice. There must have been some type of racism that was inside of him. And he was looking for Jesus or he was looking for the word to justify while he was doing some of the things that he was doing. Mm. In this season now, we got some folks that are trying to search through the scriptures to justify their racism, to justify their prejudice, to justify their injustice. And they're holding up the Bible upside down, standing in front of the church and not representing the word of God correctly. They're trying to justify the evil that is going on in the world. Jesus right there could have dismissed him because Jesus could have said, you're wasting my time. You know what you're supposed to do. You know what the scripture says. You know how you should be handling uh, your, your daily uh, walk with me. You, you know how you're supposed to be treating people, uh, but you're wasting my time. But because Jesus is a, is a teacher, because Jesus is a man of patience, uh, because Jesus is a man that knows the hearts of men, uh, he takes his time to give this man a lesson. And he walks him through a parable that many of us have read over and over and over again. Uh, but tonight or today, I want to take the layers off of the text uh, so that we can see this text in its entirety. Uh, so Jesus took up the question and said there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. I want to stop there. Uh, there was a man that was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, this was a journey that was necessary. And in order for you to go, you had to go down uh, about 4,000 feet down a hill. Uh, the, uh, this, is, this, is, this is a steep hill uh, that is dark, that is dreary, uh, that is somewhat scary. Uh, and this man is walking down this hill, which is about 17,000 miles or 17 miles and about 4,000 feet. Uh, 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 down this hill. Now watch this. As he's walking down this hill, uh, this road is known as being the way of the blood. Uh, it's a place where people were known to be robbed. It's a place where people were known to be killed. It's a place that is known not to be safe. I've never been there, but looking at some of the pictures, uh, I begin to see that during this journey, there are caves that are going down this way. 
Uh, and if you begin to walk, uh, there were robbers that would jump out of the caves and that would rob and abuse people and take all of their possessions. This was not an easy journey. And this Samaritan or this man is now walking down this way, down a, a scary, bloody uh, place that is known for robberies, that is known for murders, that is known for homicide, that is known for crime, that is known for all type of illicit and illegal things. And as he's taken this journey, he falls among thieves. The Christian Standard Bible says he fell into the hands of robbers. Uh, now they jump out of the cave and not only do they jump out of the cave, but they strip him. They beat him up and fled And this part messes me up, leaving him half dead. When it says that they beat him, uh, it means that uh, basically they were hitting him with blows over and over again all over his body. They took all of his clothes. And when it says they left him half dead, what that means is that they left him in critical condition. They put him in a tough place left him there to die and he's left there half dead now watch this as he's laying there half dead a priest happened to be going down the road when he saw him he passed by on the other side the actual translation there means he went the other way now let's stop there and let's begin to understand who this priest was this was a levitical priest this was a man that knew the law This was a man that knew scripture. And if he knew scripture, he would know uh, that in Leviticus 19 and 34, uh, there's a scripture that says that if there is an alien that is in your country, that you're supposed to treat him as your neighbor and love him as your own. And if he was a keeper of the law, and if he was a priest, and if he knew the scriptures, like he says he knew the scriptures, then he would apply Leviticus 19 and 34 And he would have taken care of this man. Now, if he knew the scriptures, he would have went to Exodus 23 and 3. Where it speaks about how if you're on a journey and your donkey falls into a ditch or your neighbor's donkey falls into a ditch. To stop your matters, help your your neighbor get his donkey out of the ditch before you proceed with your journey. If he knew the scriptures, he would know in Micah 6 and 8. When God God speaks to the prophet, he begins to tell them to be people of God who shows justice and mercy upon his people. And although he knows all of these scriptures, although he knows all of this word, although he knows all of these, the, the, the law and the Pentateuch and the history and the historical context and all of this, although he knows all of that, he sees a man hurt. And he does nothing about it. Mm. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? That during this season, we have folks that can quote the Bible. That know the scriptures left and right. Are going into their pulpits every Sunday. But yet there's oppression. And there's murder. That's going on in the streets. And yet with all of this going on. Not once have they gone back into the word of God to see what God is saying concerning what is going on in this, in this season. But instead, what they're doing is they're going to the other side of the street. 
instead of dealing with the issues at hand. And they know what the word of God is saying concerning uh, 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 how to deal with the oppressed and how to deal with justice and how to deal with uh, racism and how to deal with prejudice and all of these things. They, they say that they're masters of the law and they're masters of the scriptures and they're theologians. And all of the, although they have all of this word, injustice is going on in the streets and they're walking the other way. I struggle with this. Because we call ourselves people of God. But we're not speaking out. We're not raising our voices. We're not saying nothing. But we're saying we're masters of the scriptures and we're masters of the law, but we're not opening our mouth when injustice is going on. Our sons and daughters are in the streets. Our fathers and mothers are in the streets. They're being abused. They're being stripped. They're being left half dead. And yet, there are the priests, the modern-day priests, the modern-day preachers, the modern-day pastors, the modern-day ministers. Not forget that the modern-day lay folks, the modern-day lay persons that sit in the pews every Sunday. And yet, while all this injustice is going on, with all that scripture they know, they're not doing anything to pick their brother up and to minister to them effectively. So this priest who knows the word sees a man in trouble and does nothing to help him, but instead goes the opposite direction. We see here in the same way, 32nd verse, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, he passed on the other side, meaning he goes the other way as well. Now, I want to take my time here because uh, some folks say, well, what's the difference between a priest and a Levite? You have to understand that there, are the, there is the Arianic priesthood who are Levites who do the service of the temple and the service of the tabernacle. Uh, but there are also Levites who come from the tribe of Levi. Uh, these are what you would call uh, the lowest people on the ladder of the Levites. Uh, they are uh, the police of the temple. Uh, they help assist with the services of the tabernacle, but they're not necessarily priests. But yet they know the word, of, the word of God as well. They know Leviticus. They know Exodus. They know Micah. They know the scriptures regarding doing what's right. They know the scriptures in Deuteronomy regarding love, loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy mind and all thy soul and love thy neighbor as he loved thyself. They know these scriptures as well. Uh, but because it would be an inconvenience to help someone else, the Bible says that they go on their way as well. So now you have two people here who call themselves church folks, who call themselves saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, all, all of the great titles that we call ourselves in the church. We see themselves calling themselves by that name, but when injustice and when hurt and when pain and trauma goes on in their community they go the other way now we get to the 33rd verse and it says but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him a Samaritan a Samaritan a Samaritan watch this 
The first time, it was a, 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 a priest. The second time, it was a Levite. But the third time, it's a Samaritan. And the Samaritan comes up. Who is the Samaritan? The Samaritan is considered the half-breed Jew. The Samaritan is considered the unclean Jew. Uh, if I could go historical for just a couple moments, uh, we go back to the scripture back in the book of uh, uh, Second Kings. Uh, the Bible says that when the Assyrians came and took the Jews uh, uh, captive, there were some that stayed behind. And the Assyrians came into the land and they brought their worship into the land of Israel. And those Jews that stayed behind, they mingled Judaism and the worship of Jehovah with the worship of the gods of the Assyrians. If we're going to get specific, the Bible says that they had five different gods that they brought in to Israel. And Israel now committed themselves to those five gods. Uh, this is this is this is Second Kings, the 24th chapter. Look it up if you want. Uh, there's five gods that come into Egypt. I'm sorry, that come into Israel and Israel worships those five gods and mingles their worship with that worship. And as we have learned throughout all of the scriptures is that God shares his glory with no one. And there's no way in the world that God can be pleased when we mix his worship with any type of worship. There's no such thing as I'm dabbling in this and I'm serving Jesus. It's Christ for all or it's Christ and for nothing. I, I can't be halfway with my worship. Uh, so what made the Jews upset was that these people came, um, came in and they allowed them to be contaminated with the worship of those five gods. Watch this. Israel became married to those five gods. They lost their commitment to Jehovah. And they became committed to those five gods and thought that they could just bring Jehovah along. And they became a mixed breed with mixed worship. Could it have been that in the book of St. John, when Jesus goes through Samaria and he meets a Samaritan woman and he asks her to go get her husband and she says, I have no husband. And he says, you said correctly for you have had five husbands and none of them were yours. Could it have been that he was referring to the five gods that she was worshiping? or that Samaritan had been worshiping. So now they've mixed their breed and they've mixed their worship. And when Israel came back into the land through Nehemiah and through Ezra, the Bible says that the Samaritans decided that they were gonna come back too and help them rebuild the temple. Uh, but I believe if you go through uh, uh, Ezra uh, chapters 2 through 4, I'm sorry, 4 through 6, and Nehemiah chapters 2 through 4, the Bible says that they ran the scrolls. They ran the roll. And they began to look to see who were full-blood Jews, who were full-breed, and who were half-breed. And they told the Samaritans that you cannot help us worship. You cannot help us worship because you have contaminated your worship with those other gods in Assyria. And they sent the Samaritans away when the Samaritans wanted to come back and worship with Israel. Uh, so that's where we get a man by the name of Sambalit. 
And Sambalat is a, is a Samaritan. He spends all of his energy trying to take Nehemiah off of the wall. So there's hostility between the Samaritans and the Jews, uh, which makes matters even worse is uh, about a hundred and something years, 128 years before Jesus is born, uh, uh, the Samaritans, they, they dedicate a temple to their God in a place called Mount Gerizim. Uh, and they start having their half-breed worship in Mount Gerizim. The Jews are not happy with this. So what the Jews do is they come in and they burn down the Samaritan's temple. So there's hostility, oh, help me Jesus, between Israel and Samaria. But yet we see here that a Samaritan comes on the behalf of a person that he's supposed to hate. You know what messes me up here? Is that we have had two men that have come by before him that are religious, but have no love. But now we see a Samaritan who has love, but so-called false religion. We got a dilemma here. You call yourself churchy, but you have no love for the oppressed. But yet they call themselves unchurchy, and they have love for the oppressed. There's, there's something wrong when the world has more love than the church. There's, more, there's something wrong when the world is more outspoken against the injustices of the world than the church. There's something wrong when the world has become the, the leader of, or the spokesman of, of what is going on and the church has remained silent and has walked the other way. There's an issue. And what this shows me is that when this man seen this man laying on the side of the road, he didn't ask about his nationality. He didn't ask about the color of his skin. He didn't ask about his sexual orientation. Uh-oh. He didn't ask about who his mama was. He didn't bring up his past. He didn't talk about what happened 128 years ago. He put all of that aside because the soul was more important than what happened 128 years ago. Let me deal with the matters that are at hand. And there's a problem when we can't help somebody because we see their color before we see their soul. There's a problem in this country when this country has to look at statistics and numbers and how many people of this color live here in order for them to determine which city gets funding and which town gets funding. There's a problem when we look at all of the demographics and the numbers and we don't look at souls. And what the Samaritan is teaching us is that the real love of God goes beyond the boundaries, boundaries of race culture and all of those things and it sees the souls of people and this Samaritan now comes and when he comes he has compassion this messed me up he went over to him and bandaged his wounds now another translation says he clothed him now I, I struggle with this because I I I I, I I doubt the Samaritan had clothes in a, back, in a backpack. Which tells me that what the Samaritan actually did most likely was he took the clothes off of his own back to cover the nakedness and the shame of a person that he seen was hurt. 
he took off his garments. He took off the things that he had on so that he could cover someone else that was without. He poured on olive oil and wine. He's pouring on olive oil and wine. Pouring on olive oil and wine. I want you to look at that. Pouring on olive oil and wine. I want you to look at this with me real quickly. It does not give us a measurement. It does not say he gave him a porcelain. It doesn't say he poured an ounce. It does not say he poured a gallon. It does not say he poured a liter. What it says is that he was generous to pour on the pain of the person regardless of the cost, which means that he emptied himself out so that he could be a blessing and a healer to someone else. He didn't count what was in his pocket. He just went in his pocket and whatever was necessary, he used what was in his pocket so that he could be a blessing to someone else. I'm tired, y'all, of folks just throwing money out right now so that you can keep buying their coffee. I'm tired of you just going in your pocket, throwing money out and putting BLM on something like that's going to heal the scar. And what we're doing now is we're throwing money and we're throwing things, but we're not pouring with compassion so that we can really fix the issue. The money our Bible doesn't say he threw a couple dollars at him and kept walking. The Bible doesn't say he shakes his pocket, fills some change and throws some change at him and calls him a bum and keeps walking. But the Bible says he stops. He has compassion and without measure and with full generosity, he pours out all that he has so that he can help someone else who was in need. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, watch this, and took care of him. I missed this all these years. I read this. I missed this. The next day, stop there. He brought him to an inn, motel, hotel, holiday inn, took care of him, and the next day, let me say that again. He brought him in to an inn. He took care of him. And the next day, what does that tell you? It tells you that he didn't just drop him off. But he recognized that a man was half dead. And he stayed there all night with the man to make sure that the man was taken care of before he went on his journey. I always looked at the text as if though he dropped him off at the motel, uh, gave the, the, the concierge a couple dollars and said, I'll be back. No, 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 no. He got the man a room and he stayed there all night because he recognized that the man was half dead. So he wanted to make sure that before he left, he wasn't still at 50-50. But he stayed there all night and made sure that he was taken care of and that he did not die on his watch throughout the night. The next day, he took out two denaries, which is equivalent to 60 days worth of stay. He gave the hotel houseman, the, the, the manager, the, the general manager of the hotel, uh, uh, two months worth of pay so that the man could stay at the hotel or the motel. And he said, take care of him. And when I come back, 
I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. This is teaching us a lesson, y'all. It's teaching us that the Good Samaritan was more than just a good person. But the Good Samaritan was a person that poured out all that he had and all of his love on a person. So when the Bible says to love, the love your neighbor as you love yourself, it means more than you've just given somebody $10. Because if you were down and out, you would need more than $10. It means more than just, I'm going to pray for you, sis. I got you, bro. I got your back. You know we praying. Oh, we, we, we say all that. I got you. No. To love your neighbor as you love yourself means to pour out yourself so that you can cover and protect your neighbor. In this season, what we are going through is a time where we got to really love our neighbors. And it's deeper than a Facebook post. It's deeper than a hashtag. It's deeper than a share. No, no, I got to pour out my love completely on my brother and in my sister if that's what it takes to protect them. We live in a society where we've been taught to gain as much as we can for ourselves. And we've lost what was important, which is to love all people and to help our brothers and sisters when they're down and when they're going through. I want to close here real quickly. I'm close here. Close here. I'm going to close here. I want to make sure I, I, I put this text in proper context because um, I can go somewhere allegorically that the text is not saying. Jesus don't need no help with his word. So I don't want to be extra deep. But I want you to think about this for a minute with me. There was a time in our lives where we found ourselves in uh, depra depravity and we fell down and we fell amongst thieves and they took our pride. They hurt us. They took our dignity. They stripped us of our name. They stripped us of who we were. They left you in a place where you were left half dead. I told you the word half dead messes me up because I ain't never heard of half dead when I went to the doctor's office. When you go to the ER, they don't tell you your family member's half dead. Either they gonna survive or they not. Sometimes they'll give you a percentage, but there ain't no such thing as half dead. So I looked deeper and I said, what does half dead mean? And I thought about Adam. How God told Adam that the day that you eat of this tree, you will surely die. And Adam ate of that tree, but yet he still had breath in his body. He was living, but he was dead. He was a living body, but his soul was dead. Dead to sin. 
dead to the things of this world. Sin had taken its toll on him. So he was half dead. And there are times in our lives where it appears that we are half dead. You're functioning, but your soul is crushed. You're going to work every day, but your spirit is shattered. You're smiling, but deep down inside you're hurting. And you feel half dead because life sometimes takes a toll and it appears that it has stripped you of everything. Some of us have been there. And we went to the preacher man. And he tried to preach you happy, but it didn't fix you. And you went to the prophet and they tried to prophesy you, uh, but, but, but uh, it didn't seem like some of that stuff was coming to pass. But one day, there was a man that came down 4,000 feet where you were. <laughs> and when everyone turned their back on you, he stopped where you were. He looked at your sicknesses. He looked at your issues and he took off his garments and covered you and he took his oil and he took his wine and he did not look at the measurements, but he generously poured it all upon your infirmities so that you can live. Y'all trying to wonder who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the man by the name of Jesus. How when we were left this half dead, he came down into the earth where we were poured out himself, poured out his blood and shed his blood on Calvary's cross for our sins, picked us up, took us to the end, left us there and said, you know what? I'm going to take care of you till I come back again. And if Jesus can show us the greatest example of what it's like to go down into the uttermost parts of the earth to save us, then who are we that we can't go down the street to help and bless our brothers and sisters. Church is more than money, praise break, and shouting. Church is about showing and expressing the love of God to your brothers and your sisters. And if we got all of the great things that go on with church, but we don't have love, then we're missing the whole purpose of why Christ established the church to begin with. We need the love of God in this season more than ever. So I challenge you, my brothers and sisters. Challenge you, people of God. Don't just be a talker. Don't throw a bunch of scripture out at me. But demonstrate the scriptures that you quote. That's quiet. Demonstrate the power you say you have. Demonstrate the Holy Ghost you talk about. Demonstrate the healing you say you witness. We got a whole lot of talkers, but what we need in this season is we need demonstration. And I'm not talking about prayer lines. I'm not talking about prophetic calls. I'm not talking about naming and claiming and tap your neighbor. I'm talking about demonstration through the love of God. I'm talking demonstration of showing hope. I'm talking demonstration by lifting our voices. I'm talking demonstration by protecting our children. I'm talking demonstration 
by going to your, oh, help me God, going to vote, going to your congressman, going to your mayor's office, asking questions, seeing what is put in place to protect our children and protect our people. I'm not just talking about a whole bunch of spiritual power. I'm talking about using some natural power and to go out and use that. There was no hocus pocus in this text. There was nothing extra spiritual in this text. I know this is kind of boring to y'all, but this is, this is what I, I needed today. There was, there was no, 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 no prophecy. There was no praise break. This text was about demonstrating what the love of God looks like. And I challenge us this week, this year, and for the rest of our lives to demonstrate the love of God in our lives. And if we demonstrate that, that's how we're going to see real change in this world. Father, I thank you. Thank you for this word on today, God. A familiar scripture. But still so many layers. And so many things that still bring conviction to us. How we say that we are your children, we say that we are your sons and your daughters, uh, but God, we have missed opportunities, God, to demonstrate your love. And today, God, um, some of us repent, and some of us ask God today, God, that you help us. Show us the way, God. Show us what is pleasing in your sight. Show us what is necessary. Show us how to reach our community. Show us how to not be timid and fearful in this season, God. Keep us, God, as we be become protectors of our brothers and sisters and our loved ones, God. Keep us, God, as we continue, God, to lift our voices, God, and speak out against things that are not right going on in the system and going on in the world, God. And, God, we ask, God, that you continue, God, to show your mercy, show your justice, and show your peace. And, Lord, we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Uh, I'm going to give you my three points, and then uh, we're going to go from there. Uh, point number one. <clears throat> uh, real love is demonstrated through the word. Uh, when we go through the word of God, um, that shows us what real love is all about. Um, if you want to see what real love is about, study the life of Christ. Study his sacrifice on the cross. Number two, real love does not discriminate. We notice here that this Samaritan had every reason not to help this man. Uh, he could have went based off of uh, all of the history that he had. He had a whole book that he could have quoted. <laughs> could have sat over his body and said, ha, it's about time you get what you get. But he looked beyond all of those boundaries and he realized that his soul was more important than his background and number three real love follows through um like i said it's more than throwing a dollar it's more than i got you sis it's more than praying in the comments we praying bro we praying sis we got you no no real love follows through real love makes you pick up the phone and really ask what's going on and when we do those things that's when god is glorified Thank you all again. Um, we're going to raise our offering, but before we do that, uh, I want to thank you guys. 
Um, we are we have gone through this pandemic for the last three months. It's been officially three months uh, since we have not worshipped together this month, this week. I haven't seen some of you guys in person in over three months. Um, but your dedication and your commitment, um, not only in just your giving, uh, but your faithfulness to the Bible studies and to the services and to participation and uh, everything that you're doing. I want to, from the bottom of my heart, say I thank you. Um, I thank you all. Um, your giving has not been done in vain. While while we're not in the church, um, we are still doing expenses and we're working on some renovation things and all of that. Um, but also, we've also been able to be a blessing to the community um, while we're doing this. So, uh, as you know, uh, we were able to supply um, a women's ministry with a month's worth of supplies back in May. Um, and on this June, uh, we were able to supply um, the women and child shelter in Woodbury, New Jersey, uh, with blankets and pillows for their shelter. So, um, I believe it's about 12 beds um, have been covered there. Um, and that's because of your contributions and your giving. Um, so I don't want you guys to think in this season that your giving has been in vain. Um, we are continually, continually uh, doing what we do, which is um, showcasing uh, our four core values here, which is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. And we're going to continue to do that. Um, I don't have a date when we're coming back, um, but I'm sure we'll be back together soon. But at the same time, we want to remain safe. Um, and until I feel that we're safe, uh, we're going to continue to do this way, do it this way. And um, I want to thank you guys again for just remaining faithful with me and hanging in there with, with me through this whole process. God bless you all. Um, we're going to turn it over um, to the offering. And uh, I will see you guys soon. God bless you and I love you all. You have a great day.